Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza. He's Matt Harmon. And it is still... Thankfully, the off season. But fear not, my dear listeners. We here at Yahoo Fantasy are still cranking out the FF content for you today and don't worry, throughout the entire off season. So if you are going on a vacation, we are maybe not, kind of. Well, we're working ahead <laughs> so that we can go on a vacation. <laughs> Isn't that one of the things that you love? I was like, oh, hey, you're going to go on vacation this week, so can you write four articles that we can put? Not, I'm exaggerating, but we work ahead. <laughs> well, I, I, don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I, don't, I can't relate to anything you just said. <laughs> Good for you. That was very, very political. Um, politically intelligent of you, Matthew Harmon. Um, all right, but honestly, I, I have to say, thank you. Um, I was struck with a little bit of a bug that was not covid last week. Um, so thank you for hopping in with Dalton on my behalf. I appreciate it as someone who took off some time to, you know, convalesce, frankly. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it was great. I enjoyed the conversation Dalton and I had, so I was happy that I got to do that. It was a, it's, it's a fun time in the calendar, honestly, cause we get to unpack, um, like I enjoy, I enjoy these, uh, May slash June podcasts. I think I've, I've called it before the, like, no accountability period because like you can say some stuff on a may podcast and be like yeah but then when i actually go back and watch the guy last year or actually do my projections i might have totally changed my opinion in august and frankly like most people don't really care like that you know don't really care about your projection at this point they care about it in a couple of months so i enjoy these conversations because kind of get to not just unpack big ideas but also like eh, there's a little less pressure right like if it's I, a brainstorming a session you know what i mean yes. this is like we're, like your sleepers episode with dalton i was like oh okay like i like the ideation of a rashad white situation in tampa bay like i love right. that we're running through all of the hypotheticals and that kind of helps to paint a clearer picture come August once we've gotten, you know, notes from beat reporters and done a few um, mocks that aren't just best ball related. And so I I agree with you. So, you know, it sounds like we are winning in terms of enjoying this time of year and finding out the range of possible and probable outcomes. So what about talking similarly to the way that Andy and Scott did earlier in the week 
about the biggest winners of the offseason. Our colleagues discuss the biggest losers in their estimation of the offseason. But we're going to go positive because that's, I mean, we're Team Silver Linings. That's what we oh, do. Oh, yeah. Right? They, they had to get the two rainbow, uh, rainbow sunshine folks here, uh, <laughs> Liz and Matt, to talk about the, the positive end of the spectrum and all that. Yeah. Let Andy and Scott... You know, those guys can be the downers. We're going to bring the good positive energy here and hype up um, five things, whether they're – I mean, I, I don't know. You Did you go all players? I did go one entire team as a winner, but sort of as a trickle down. But we'll get to it. Um, I went – so I believe that Scott and Andy did, like, their top five and ranked them. I did five players. Yes, all players, but I wanted to hit every position so that – bases were covered. Also, I appreciate that producer John gave us this assignment, but left it open-ended because now we can, again, idea eight in different ways. So Matt, you did like five things. Great. I did five players, but this is going to make for a good conversation. Um, But before we get to all of that, the biggest winner, uh, maybe across the board in terms of winning at life, is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Nothing is going to, nobody's going to deny that. And he has, as of today, we're recording on Wednesday, June 2nd, retired via a very fantastic text that he sent all of the players that he has played with over the length of his 17 season career. That had to be a, that had to be a big um, task. And it wasn't even. Can you it wasn't imagine a group the assistant though, or the social media person who he was like, "Uh, yeah, I, I have an idea for like an image. Can you just mock that up for me? I'm gonna text it when I retire." I mean, but he has to do the texting himself, right? You know, like he has to. Oh, do you think so? I mean, it's his phone. I mean, I guess you could just pass it off He's and be like, people. "Hey." Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I can't relate. I do definitely do not have people. I don't have people sending my texts. Uh, more family and friends would be a little happier with me if I, uh, <laughs> if I did, they'd hear from me more often. Well, regardless, whether he, I, you know, if I were him, I probably. Well, he's got forty kids, right? Maybe one of them could have done it for him. Like, That's go true. text all your uncles. He is now post football, reportedly going to be a part of Amazon's NFL coverage this season. Him and everybody else, yo, Amazon, yeah, Jeff Bezos, getting in all the games. I'm excited to hear him in the booth. I think he's gonna. I think he's going to add a lot of fun color that is perfect, frankly, for a non-broadcast streaming product. Yeah, I mean, I've had the pleasure of uh, sitting down and talking yeah. with Fitz several times, both both like pre and post pandemic or like during pandemic. Right. So we've done the Zoom thing and we've done the in-person thing. And he was a delight both times. Um, definitely does owe me uh, for a certain sponsorship deal that I will not talk about on the air. But uh, at some point, whenever I talk to him next, we're going to have to. A couple shorts are going to have to fall off the back of fall off the back of the truck, at least for me. Let's just put it that way. Um, but yeah, Fitz is great. He's the man. I uh, hope he enjoys many like three button down days as a retired man, even if he's still working a little bit. Yeah, he's great, and obviously was like, one of the best characters in the league. It's it is a little shame that his career ended in such like a way. I mean, I get I guess he had such a such a wild ride in general. It just feels it feels odd that. You know, a little anticlimactic this, to yeah, end a little, on like a week correct. one hip injury. Yeah, Correct. A freaking week one hip injury. But he is 39 years old. I get it at some point. Like you say, he's got a lot of kids. Um, certainly will have a much more relaxing life being a, a media personality. Yeah. I don't, you don't know, think? though, man. Like we saw Tom Brady was like a stay-at-home dad for like, I don't know, a minute. And then he was like, nah, I'd rather get trucked by a bunch of uh, – 
of defensive ends instead of hang out with three kids at home all day. But but it's, then Tom Brady, like, what did he do immediately after coming back? He lined up his post-football That's career true. so that he would still have to spend less time at home. So, I mean, I guess Fitz has done the same thing here, although to a slightly different degree, certainly less. Uh, well, he's not probably not getting that Brady money. But, yeah, awesome career for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I will certainly miss him. And he is definitely a guy that, you know, he pumped up players – statistics in fantasy like he that's one of the biggest um what ifs the ryan fitzpatrick terry mclaurin connection what that could have been this past year i think we all missed out a little bit because of that because i mean think of a guy like who i I don't even think is nearly as good uh, as terry mclaurin but like Devontae parker had that like small small stretch of games with ryan fitzpatrick and he before and after that hadn't done anything close and that's that is like the ryan fitzpatrick effect did the same thing in tampa bay with obviously guys who have produced with uh, tom brady and james winston a few other players but like you know deshaun jackson had those crazy games in tampa bay with ryan fitzpatrick chris godwin mike evans they had some big moments too so i mean he was certainly a guy that we adored in fantasy circles and real life NFL circles. And I'm looking forward to his post-career playing, especially whenever we do a, whenever we do our podcast where we we do have to sort this, this whole, uh, this whole discussion out. But again, (laughs) absolutely ends his career, just 10 passing yards shy of 35,000 and 244 total touchdowns, a mensch, a gem, a lot of what ifs, but certainly I think you said it best, one of the greatest characters in the NFL. And we got him for nearly two decades, so we can't complain at all. We appreciate his service um, to all of the teams <laughs> that he played on and all of our teams, fantasy-wise, that benefit. All right, so secret lists. Um, it's funny that we're talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick because last summer I definitely wrote a bunch of uh, super flex sleeper articles oh, yeah. centered around his YOLO style of ball. And now... We're going to move to some, I I think there's like space, at least the way I understood the assignment between sleepers, not necessarily as deep as you and Dalton discussed, and biggest winners. Because chips have fallen in such a way that now maybe a player has an opportunity or a team has an opportunity to perform in a way that, you know, wasn't available to them in 2021. So I'm going to let you kick it off. Um, who, who, Who or what would you like to begin with? Yeah, I'll go with the uh, number five on my list. And I actually have my first three guys that I'm going to talk about are all pretty big name players that will go, I think, in the first two rounds of basically every fantasy draft, actually. Um, went with the deep names for Dalton. With Dalton, I was like, I'm tapped out on deep names. Let me, get, <laughs> let me, go, let me get some, hit some chalk here. Uh, starting with Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron Jones, for me, I think is a big, is kind of like a sneaky winner because I think you have to, he's not as simple as like, this receiver lost this other receiver on his team. Therefore, more targets are going to this guy. I got a couple of those too, but Aaron Jones is a little different because he has been a pretty big factor in the Packers passing game. And I think when we're looking at the Packers right now, you know, there's we're kind of getting those OTA trickles of like, oh, Christian Watson is dropping passes and blah, blah, blah. Shocking. Like, oh, Christian Watson I, is, dro- is dropping passes? <laughs> I don't know where we could have found data that would support that that prediction. Nuts. And obviously... um, I think the entire fantasy world is a little burnt out on dropped uh, off-season passes after the Jamar Chase experience. But I will just say it's a little bit of a different experience between uh, Jamar Chase and Christian Watson. But that, that's I don't think that he's a rookie that is going to hit the ground running. Uh, Romeo Dubs is apparently looking like a guy who might factor in a little bit. But, you know, he's a day three rookie. So let's not get crazy here. Like, the Packers do not have 
someone that's going to come in and just assume, I don't even think assume the bulk of what Devontae Adams is left no, behind. No I think alpha. they're No, not even close. Really, a lot of their guys are slot receivers, you know, like Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, even Amari Rogers, if he, you know, manages to take a leap is ideally a slot receiver. So I think their passing game is just going to look very different. I think Aaron Jones is going to see more targets than he's seen in previous years. Actually, when you look at the splits between games where Devontae Adams does and does not play, Aaron Jones targets actually tend to go up. And just in general, too, I think the Packers are going to be a very different team philosophically than they have been the last couple of years. Like from an offensive perspective, I think they're more run heavy and slower paced than you think anyways. And the way that they have made improvements on defense, I think they're going to take those steps as like more of a, more of a run based offense, more of what honestly, probably more of what, um, what, what, what we want or what Matt LaFleur wants them to be like this give and take between him and Aaron Rodgers, I think it's leaned more towards what Rodgers wants the last few years. And then is probably going to be more towards like what Matt LaFleur ideally wants. And I think a lot of that is going to be a benefactor for Aaron Jones. I think I, it's interesting because when I was looking to fill in my biggest winner at the running back position, I had Aaron Jones on my short list. Um, and then I honestly didn't feel like quantifying the AJ Dillon piece of it yeah. um, into the equation. But I think the way you have done it is brilliant because Aaron Jones has, as you mentioned, seen a higher volume of targets. And I mean, Aaron Jones is also like, I think lots of times we talk about um, running backs who catch passes. There are running backs who can work as dink and dunk pass catchers. And then there are running backs, as you well know, who run routes. And Aaron Jones is of the latter grouping, right? Like there's a running back who can work as a receiver and a running back who can catch passes. And without Devontae Adams in the mix, there also needs to be some veteran continuity that isn't just Randall Cobb, who can step up and be a safety valve for Aaron Rodgers. And as Scott Pianowski always says, like Rodgers is a circle of trust guy and that circle's small. And Aaron, Aaron Jones certainly has it, which I also think then like in terms of longevity, like I'm going to put him and I believe you are too, Aaron Jones in like the top 12, right? He's like 11 to RB 11 to 13 range, depending on how you feel about some of the bigger names and their potential injury issues. And then AJ Dillon to me is like a just RB 24 to 27, let's say, like just on that RB 25 cusp. But because A.J. Dillon is part of the equation and because Matt LaFleur, as you mentioned, doesn't really like a workhorse option and never has. We can look back to the data that was run during Jamal Williams' time in Green Bay. There is an opportunity now for Aaron Jones to stay fresh. And I don't think that, like, I don't think he's going to see the same number of goal line touches. But I do think, because I do think that, like, A.J. Dillon will sort of receive that volatility. But I think it will be made up for in in the increase in volume from a passing point of view yeah you said top 12 top 13 I actually think like you know from from an overall perspective I would have him top 12 overall I just did a yeah that's what I mean right right not even just running back so I mean from like I I would take him like at the 12th overall position I just did a a mock draft for the website oh 
yahoosports.com. And uh, I, I had him slotted at 1.12 as like a and like a right around the turn okay. there and trying to signal to folks like I would want to be aggressive on Aaron Jones this year. And um, I, this is a whole nother tangent that we can talk about on the podcast at a different time. So don't talk about it now. But like running backs suck this year. Like the first round kind of sucks this year in general. We're, we're just a weird phase in the position where these guys that have been great like Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey like they haven't quite aged out but nobody feels really great to pick this year that like Aaron Jones is a guy that I'm actually I'm not going to rank higher than those players but I might be more excited to pick in early round two or late round one yeah yeah I'm, I'm with you on that um so if we're talking about older running backs that some thought had aged out I'm gonna go to my I, I, you did a running back, so I'm going to do a running back. I don't want to rank him as like my yeah. number five and work up or <laughs> sure. whatever. But um, I want to talk about Marlon Mack because we are talking about biggest winners, oh, wow, right? Yeah. So I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a winner for fantasy because obviously the Texans drafted Damian Pierce. And so there's upside with the unknown and the rookie does present an interesting factor. And in terms of ADP, both Mack and Pierce are being drafted around the same spot. So I think that Pierce is obviously going to get the love because of upside and because of the value. But in terms of Marlon Mack, like at least he's going to get the chance in 22 to compete for the job. You know, like he was the guy in Indianapolis just one year with Andrew Luck in 2018. And in 2019, he was the RB20, right? 18 touches per game, 17 carries and one catch on average per week. He was top 10 in yards created and breakaway runs. We've always known that he is super fast. In fact, the knock on Matt coming out of college was that he was a better athlete than he was football player. So like has the evolution of his skill set in terms of being a pro in the league evolved? We will find out. We know he has the talent there. Obviously, we remember in 2020, week one, the Achilles injury, then he was buried behind Jonathan Taylor in 2021. He's not that old, you know? No, <laughs> He's yeah, not. Yeah. He hasn't, in, in terms of, like, tread on the tires, too, he, he has the potential to prove that he is not washed, and he is expect. Listen, Lovey Smith is the head coach. Pep Hamilton and Lovey Smith are running the show <laughs> in Houston. These dudes are not, like, new wave kind of no. guys. These are old school guys who like their vets, who want to make rookies, quote, prove it. I think Marlon Mack is getting buried because everyone assumes he is washed and because we haven't heard from him, frankly, since 2019. I think it's a great call. And I wrote a piece earlier that like, you know, Pierce is a rookie to watch, you know, or whatever, but he's a rookie. Like he's, he might not make it at all at this point. Like, so I have no, and I, I have zero player takes on Pierce, like as a running back. So I could, I could take it or leave it. Right. And Marlon Mack is a guy who has had excited. He's, he's been like a volume guy too. They never quite used him in the passing game. And Rex Burkhead is still around too with the Texans. So like he might end up being the pass down back, but you're right. The Texans certainly are going to want to be, a conservative offense are going to want to run the ball a little bit, you know, with, with Davis mills there at, at quarterback. So I think that's a great call. He's certainly a guy that's not going to get drafted. He's not going to get steamed up by anybody. You know, Pierce at some point could get really steamed up to the point that, you know, Mac ends up being a huge value. I wouldn't be surprised either if it's like a, one of those situations where Marlon Mack is the guy in September and even October, and then things slowly shift to the rookie as the year goes on. But if you spend a, 
12th round pick on Marlon Mack, you, you don't give a damn about December, right? You're just trying to get a couple weeks out of Marlon Mack early on. So I, I like Hopefully that you're proactive enough and you're listening to the Yahoo Fantasy Football forecast every week. So you are reading the tea leaves and making adjustments before, you know, Pierce is picked up off of waivers or before he has that breakout game. I agree. I think there's probably going to be a transitional space. I can like imagine a Chris Johnson, David Johnson situation with a coach that is similarly minded in terms of veteran respect to Bruce Arians. That makes a ton of sense to me. That's a good call. All right. Give me your number two. Uh, my number two or your guy, number four, I guess. My, my number four. Uh, I am going with another, again, another guy that's going to get drafted probably in the first round this year, and that's Stefan Diggs. And this is sort of like a, I actually want to talk to you about Gabe Davis sort of thing. How do you feel? How do you feel about? How do you feel about Gabe Davis? I think. Uh... So I wrote a bunch of uh, Gabe Davis was on my like favorite sleepers list last summer. Right. And then I was like painstakingly waiting for the breakout. It happened uh, at a time where not many people could really use him. I think that Gabe Davis is like a great red zone weapon, but I don't know if he is an every week playmaker, right? Like he gets those high value targets, depending on frankly, Dawson Knox's assignments and health. Um, And then I, I don't know if he is going to take the leap to a what we thought Kenny Galladay could have been or a Mike Evans. I mean, def- not as like physical as those guys, but in terms of just like con- constantly coming down with TDs, um, yeah. I think he is, you know, high risk, high reward player and not particularly consistent. I think Kenny Galladay, I would put Cortland Sutton on like that's the like hopeful access that you're that you're wanting to see Gabe Davis go down because as a rookie completely raw made some big plays certainly uh but very raw as a route runner not there technically Uh, i think you saw some developmental steps in year two but a a really inconsistent guy and i know everybody points to the four touchdown game you know against the chiefs uh in the playoffs i mean bro go back i don't want to be the hashtag watch the film bro but like seriously go back and watch it like because i mean there's a lot of like chiefs defenders in the secondary falling down in zone coverage you know Diggs getting a lot of defensive attention easy matchups for gabe davis against some goofball players in the secondary a secondary by the way that the chiefs basically overhauled this this offseason so i i wouldn't say it was like yeah that's the thing i'm pointing to gabe davis is like a future star in the league or something i think he could be a decent number two receiver but like probably towards the low end, but it might, again, if if you're hoping that he's a breakout player, you're hoping that he goes along that, like Kenny Galladay axis, perfect, perfect guy to bring up, like pretty raw as hell in year one showed some flashes in year two of being like a vertical guy, contested catches. And then like in year three, closer to the fringe of like actually being a legit outside starting X receiver. And obviously his career has gone a little weird since then, but I think that's what you're hoping for from Gabe Davis. I'm not completely convinced that that happens. So in a way, I almost like I know that Gabe Davis is going to find his way on a lot of these like offseason winner lists because the Bills didn't add another big time receiver. They added Jamison Crowder, who I think is a decent sleeper if he if he holds down that slot receiver role. Khalil Shakir, a guy I really like, but he was a fifth round pick. That's basically it. So the path is kind of crystal clear for Gabe Davis. To, unlike last year where they added Manny Sanders and kind of hedged their bets on Gabe Davis, they didn't really hedge their bets on Gabe Davis this year. So the Bills are kind of banking on him. We'll see if it works. But I kind of want to play the inverse of it where I think this is just like more good things for for Steph Diggs, who 160 targets in back-to-back years. I think we could see him meet somewhere in the middle 
from like an efficiency perspective, you know, 76.5% catch rate in his first year with the Bills, 62% last year. I think we could see it somewhere again in the middle of that. 9.2 yards per target in year one with the Bills, 7.5 last year. Maybe we see something somewhere in the eight range, you know, touchdowns. 8 to 10 there between the first two years. I think we could maybe see, again, something similar in that range. So I I think that Diggs is a guy that, like last year I was I was willing to say like he could be the best receiver in fantasy. I think there's just as likely of a case that he could be the best receiver in fantasy this year, but he's going after guys like Devontae Adams who changed teams. You know, he's going after guys like Jamar Chase, who I, I, I totally understand why Jamar Chase is going higher. Obviously Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, consensus top two receivers in drafts, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is just the year where Diggs really dominates the target share there because Davis isn't quite ready. You know, Crowder and Shakir are not like, big time needle mover players. And, you know, Diggs has that wide receiver overall, what not wide receiver one overall season in his range of outcomes. And I don't think he's quite getting discussed that way. Cause last year was a little like, it was, it was great. It was a top 10 receiver, but it, it was, it was like kind of, you know, not, not, it was never in contention to be like that wide receiver one overall last year. I think this year actually could be that season. What do you think in terms of, because like, again, I think touchdowns are going to be key for Gabe Davis's fantasy value and I agree with you between eight to ten for I mean what I've like I would say just over a hundred catches 1200 ish yards and eight to ten eight to nine I, I don't think that Diggs gets to double digits um scores seems about right obviously we're we're gonna imagine fewer than 70 catches for Davis I don't think he hits a thousand yards but could he tie digs in number of touchdowns with let's say eight i i don't yeah. like i'm still not sold unless he has another one of these blow-up games where like he gets three in week seven you know and then and that kind of like alters his total but i don't i don't i would take the under on eight totals for gabe davis I, I think that makes sense to me. He's just, he's a very inconsistent player. Like I mentioned, he was pretty, he was great in that game against the Chiefs. I think he definitely got some help there. You don't score four touchdowns without the defense giving you a little right. help. Let's just put it, put it that way. Yeah. Um, but then you go back and out watch of the nowhere. game. Out of, out of nowhere, right. And again, I do think he's going to benefit from a lot of looks where, you know, Diggs draws the extra defensive coverage, stuff like that. Go, but then you watch Gabe Davis in, um, I think it was their final regular season game against the Dolphins, where they were competing for full four quarters. Gabe Davis gets thrown double digit target. He was ter- he was terrible in that game, and that was like three weeks before that Chiefs game. So that's still the qu- again, it's that inconsistency. I, I think he could have massive games and then really slow games too. Yep, so that's just and I just would be, I just wonder where he comes down like in terms of ADP in redraft leagues. Cause like the best ball bros are already ready to buy all the way in. We'll see where it happens in come August, September. No Brian Dable too. So I think that that's a, yeah. a factor that people are, are maybe forgetting. Um, all right. So my wide receiver is Devonte Parker. We talked about, you, you mentioned him earlier <laughs> when we were discussing Ryan Fitzpatrick. I said mean I, things about him. <laughs> well, no, I, because I think you are a hundred percent correct. We haven't heard from him save that blow up year, but we also know what kind of, what kind of pass catcher he is, right? Six, three, 210. He, doesn't necessarily gain great separation, but he's great in contested situations. In fact, he has earned at least a top 21 contested catch rate over his last three consecutive campaigns. 
injuries have always been part of his story since his rookie season. He is two years removed from that 2019 career effort where he cleared 1,200 yards and managed nine touchdowns was a top seven fantasy wide out. But I think he is also the biggest winner because, and this is some some real and like some non-fantasy analysis, this is an intradivisional trade, right? Like Parker yeah. requested that Miami grant the move to New England and the Dolphins allowed it. And that given the yeah. like soft tissue issues that kept him off the field last season is a little bit curious to me. Like, well, maybe they, they were okay with it. Like, I don't know if they weren't okay with it, then it probably wouldn't have happened. But I still think that gives Parker, like that makes him a winner, right? He gets to stay in the division. He gets to like work out any, feelings he had about Miami which I imagine there are a good amount right he's he Bill Belichick like by the way calling the plays in New England like we, we there is no offensive coordinator that we know of right that's he a weird situation <laughs> very odd agreed we're looking at the OTAs and he's like got the clipboard and he's noting up the wide receiver so at least for right now in June in brainstorming season he is the OC and I feel like if he wanted Parker then he's going to use him for as long as Parker's hamstrings are able to support him. And he's going to work as the team's X receiver because we know what kind of receiver he is. So like Kendrick Bourne, when I talked to Mac Jones at the Super Bowl, he immediately talked up Kendrick Bourne as someone that like emerged for him, that he had trust and chemistry with. But like Bourne is not a number one. Devontae Parker can be the complement on the outside to Bourne. And I feel like... Parker, again, health is going to be a major factor, but like, here's a nice sleeper who is definitely like, will he be healthy in October? I don't know. He is definitely going to be healthy week one when the Patriots play the Dolphins. <laughs> so I love it. I love it for a hot start. And I do think he could flirt with like 700 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, Bill Belichick, the only 70-plus-year-old uh, who's trying to take on more jobs instead of getting less <laughs> off his plate. I mean, it's, it's quite, a, quite a thing he's doing there. I, I like this call a lot because it's the it's the old um, one of these things doesn't look like the other thing we've talked about with receivers in the past. And, you know, the Patriots are one of these teams that are, are looking at the wide receiver position and collecting all different types, which I love when teams do this. I mean, sometimes it's just like, hey, get a ton of good receivers and – line them up wherever you want Figure these guys are all really good who cares other times it's like get a bunch of complimentary players like the Patriots are doing you know Parker at X I like Jacoby Myers as a slot receiver still and Kendrick Bourne is like that inside outside versatility Z receiver as well so that looks pretty good I, and Parker like you said just I mean it's like what Nikhil Harry actually probably should have been for this team sure. but was absolutely never going to be so um, I like the move a lot I like the trade a lot for New England it's not a big bet and I, I think he is a guy that I want to track over the summer in, in this new look Bill Belichick offense. We've won at Miami. So going home for him while being away is an interesting 80 plus guy. yards and a touchdown in week one. Book it. Boom. I love it. All right. Let's write that one down. Producer John, write that one down. This will be fun to come oh, back to. All right, Matt, give me your number down. three. My number three, uh, another big name player here. Uh, I went with CeeDee Lamb um, because okay. all of the excitement for CeeDee Lamb last year didn't quite materialize, but like, the the dynasty uh, whack jobs out there are like kind of down on CD Lamb after after a year or two. Uh, but I mean, give me a break. The guy was really. Like, this is another one. Like you go back and watch CD Lamb last year. He was 
awesome. And I'm curious where you feel he fits best as like, cause he's done a little slot receiver stuff. He's done a little outside receiver stuff. I want to see him actually play more on the outside. Get certainly get him some slot looks in three receiver sets. That'll be awesome too. He can do that. But in Dallas's offense too, especially when they have, and obviously the, what I'm, I'm kind of bearing the lead here, as I talked about earlier that, you know, sometimes it's just like this receiver lost this player. He's going to get a bump in targets. That's obviously the deal with CD lamb here. Like they get Amari <laughs> Cooper out of there. Michael Gallup is, uh, is going to probably start the season slow. If not just straight up on the PUP, the only consequential additions that they, they made at the, in this receiver room. And they lost Cedric Wilson too, who was their primary slot receiver last year. He signed with the aforementioned Miami dolphins. They added James Washington, who I think is interesting, but is currently in a walking boot. Uh, and Jalen Tolbert, a, a receiver I like, but again, third round rookie. I do think Jalen, and Tolbert's a name to keep an eye on as well. Um, but CeeDee Lamb is just going to dominate this freaking target share from the wide receiver position. And I think he is so good. In Dallas's offense specifically, like, I've long been like a Amari Cooper's not that good truther. Like, a, like, I think he's one of, if not the most overrated receivers in the NFL. The people who think that he's a great route runner because the damn check down Instagram account posts a couple of cool things. Sure, whatever. Uh, but I think CeeDee Lamb's a better player. I think he's a better route runner, better separator, better in contested situations. Overall, I think he if you put him in that like Z receiver move around the formation pre-snap that that Amari Cooper, if you put CeeDee Lamb in that role, I think you're gonna get a way better and way consistent output than what Amari Cooper's giving you. And I know you have to like kind of art, you have to kind of pay the iron price. You know, shout out Game of Thrones, like you got to pay the iron price to get CD Lamb this year. I think it might be worth it. I think he has top five receiver in his range of outcomes this year. Um, I think this is an interesting question. I, I think, first of all, you mentioned Jalen Tol- Tolbert, which I loved. And I think that Jalen Tolbert is probably there as insurance for Michael Gallup. Yeah. What I don't like about this offense. And what I didn't like about it last year is that C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper are both different styles, certainly, but both have the ability to work inside and out, right? Can both work as slot receivers. I think Cooper is a way less physical, much more finesse type of receiver that does, that can work similar levels of the field as Lamb. But Lamb has, I mean, it's trite. We all know it by now, but like the yards after catch ability, the speed, the like dense physicality almost. I just, you know, like even when I look at them, like physically, like CD lamb is just, um, got more spark to the engine Oof. and Cooper is more of a, yeah. Like in Cooper's more of a fluid sort of player. Um, so I wish that this offense had an X, had sort of a traditional bigger outside body, maybe that will end up, you know, being Dalton Schultz in a weird way again. Like, I wish there was a little bit more girth, frankly, to this offense. And I do think that that would help Lamb. But I also think, to your point, and obviously this is something that you probably share in RP, that Lamb has enough skill to make up for the lack of... um hulking physical presence that's missing i think from the offense yeah i think all that was really missing for lamb to smash last year was more volume and he's certainly going to get more volume now with cooper out of the way i, I just think and i mean maybe more health from from dak prescott sure. like more oh, yeah, consistency yeah. you know yeah definitely i think that dak was probably never the same after that was like the quad injury that forced him yeah. to 
calf injury. Yeah, that forced him to miss uh, the one week where Cooper Rush, I think, on Halloween, diced up the Vi- they go they won that game against Vikings. C. Lamb was awesome in that game, by the way. But yeah, I mean, ideally, it should be Michael Gallup and X uh, when he's healthy. But that's a when slash if sort of thing. And then, you know, CeeDee Lamb as your flanker who moves inside and then maybe Jalen Tolbert or James Washington, somebody's that third receiver there that comes in in 11 personnel. But I, I just think CeeDee Lamb is a guy who doesn't get enough credit for how awesome he was as an individual player last year. I think the volume follows that this year. And again, top five receivers certainly in his range of, of outcomes. And I think the Cowboys were, it was weird last year, like Amari Cooper at one point started complaining about like not getting enough targets. They start targets, throwing yeah. a bunch of targets towards the end of the season and the offense, like they beat up on Washington. Washington, when they were a joke of a team, they beat up on the Eagles second stringers and then they got thrown their asses right out of the playoffs by the 49ers because that offense was in a weird spot. So, um, yeah, I think that CeeDee Lamb's a guy who is really in line to take that leap to like true number one receiver. And we regard him as like as that in fantasy and in real life, too. All right. Uh, I'm going to. So you obviously care a great deal for CeeDee Lamb in terms of his skill as a player. So this is a perfect point for me to talk about another one of your favorite players. I don't think anybody won this offseason better than Allen Robinson. Oh, Um, (laughs) Get ready. Like, this dude got $46.5 million for three years, over $30 million guaranteed. By the way, that's the number we all need to care about, the $30 million guaranteed. It's not the biggest contract, obviously, when we have an offseason like Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams have, but he gets to go from whatever – that was in Chicago to the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. I mean, I think this should be the number one biggest winner on everybody's on everybody's list. Like just some numbers for context. Last year, the Bears were 29th in total passing score. So not just Justin Fields, but like Andy Dalton, all the quote goofballs that that were thrown out onto Soldier Field amassed a total of 16 passing scores 16 29 believe it or not there are like teams that did worse and now he is moving from that to the number two team in terms of aerial scores 41 passing touchdowns in 2021 and it's Matt Stafford who he's familiar with because of his time in the NFC North so I think this is absolutely awesome Robert Woods by the way now not just the ACL, but like now in Tennessee, average 7.7 looks per game before he tore his ACL in week nine. OBJ averaged six targets per contest from weeks 10 through 18. Remember, he like stepped in right as Woods hurt himself. And there was some adjustment time there when they were figuring out, when McVay was figuring out how to properly fold OBJ into the offense, also including Van Jefferson. So like, if Woods averaged over seven and OBJ averaged six, that means that, like, will Allen Robinson get his requisite 150 prior to 2021 targets? No. Will he get 100? Hell effing yes, he will. I, all of that being said, so, like, he won personally. Congratulations. I am <laughs> yeah. a little bit concerned about the health. I've yeah, been a little, and sure. I'm just not about, like, the ACL tear in 2017. Like, If you look back at his injury history, he's had a number of soft tissue issues in his lower body specifically, and they all started around week 10 of 2020. So the end of 2020, there have been a cascade of issues, right? I don't know, you know, obviously COVID, he lost a ton of weight. 
I imagine he also kind of, in a similar way to what Kenny Galladay did, uh, maybe stopped hoofing his hard, knowing that his time in the city was done and he made uh, a business decision. I do think that, you know, top 24, a low-end wide receiver too, is definitely, not just like within his range of possible outcomes, but probable outcomes. I am, however, believing that there should be a little bit of a discount because of the potential durability concerns. Yeah, Dalton and I talked about Allen Robinson on one of the last couple of shows, and and I think, you know, th that really is the only thing that could set him back is the health. And and I think that was the biggest problem for him last year was the fact that there was several different injuries, like you mentioned the COVID thing too, and obviously just the Bears were a total nightmare, and they kind of did – they kind of did him wrong anyways. Like, so that's a whole nother discussion point. There. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I think so. why that, is he motivated knowing that like, I mean, there's all, there are also, nobody likes to hear this, but like agents have conversations with their clients because an agent's job is to get them as much money as possible. And when you wash out of the league by 30, you got to make bank while you're there so that you can continue to have some sort of lifestyle that they deem acceptable. It's not our job to believe, yeah, like, right. be like say what is an acceptable lifestyle or not, but like, there is a world in which agents have conversations with their clients and say, hey, don't get hurt. Y'all seen Jerry Maguire? It's not a big deal. Like, please don't get hurt. It will affect your money moving forward. I do think that's part of the reason that Kenny Galladay, you know, never came back in Matt Stafford's last year in Detroit and then hit the market and got bank, even if it didn't work out for fantasy heads right. in his first year in New York. Yeah, and, and same with Robinson too. Like he did what he yeah. did in Chicago and still made a good a bit a good exactly. bit of money once he hit the free agent market. Yeah, I mean obviously I'm I'm in on Allen Robinson. And I think the role that he's going to have in that, like, just look at what Beckham became by that playoff run where he was super involved in the red zone. Those backside digs that are crucial to that offense in general as that X receiver. The Rams ain't had anybody that could really consistently hold down that X receiver position since they traded Brandon Cooks away. And well, Brandon Cooks had this one healthy season in 2018. Beckham's come in and out. Van Jefferson's come in and out. Van Jefferson had to change his role up too. So I think that there is a lot to like about Robinson this year for sure. I also just want to say asterisk. Like I, I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth and I am a little bit nervous about the soft tissue issues because those have a different predictability medically than something like a break, right? or a fracture, but I also feel like, you know, we meant, I mentioned Kenny Galladay and maybe if we're looking at front offices that don't really do due diligence, New York might be among those that I'm <laughs> believing could be a little lax in that department. I don't believe that from Les Snead or Agreed. Sean McVay. I yeah. right. So if, if the Rams are comfortable enough with his health, I am going to believe that he is healthier than you know, another team necessarily taking on a player with some concerns. A hundred percent. All right. Uh, give me your next guy or situation or team. This is an entity. It is a team. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the big one All is right. Trevor, Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence here, obviously is a huge off season winner because he has an adult in the room. Imagine. I mean, I know <laughs> the urban Meyer jokes are, are like, overdone at this point but imagine being trevor lawrence and watching even not even like the crazy stuff with urban meyer but even just that guy like at the press conferences with his head down like not looking anybody in the eye and being like jeez god I'm, I'm like 20 something years old and i've got to be the biggest adult for this franchise like now they've got doug peterson a guy who's going to be in there you know having ice cream after meetings it's going to be a much more fun environment there with doug peterson and i think like now, like in a previous in the previous Urban Meyer iteration, it's like you can't get excited about anything on this team. I mean, LaVisca Chenault had a hundred targets last year. Do you remember a single one of them? 
No. And I'm not I'm not excited about LaVisca Chenault. Let me just make that clear. But I'm saying, like, if you want to get excited about Christian Kirk as a wide receiver, you know, 4-3, I think you're cool with doing that. Travis Etienne's getting a lot of pop right now in offseason workouts. Like, that's something I'm willing to be excited about now at this point. Like, what, what his role is going to be in this offense? And obviously Trevor Lawrence, who I think was just playing – you know, in the eye of the storm constantly last year. Now we can be excited about what his development look looks like. So pretty simple one here. I think the Jaguars are winners because um, look, there's still a lot to work on. That team is obviously not perfect. They're, the culture is not perfect. Trent Bal- Balky is still there, but like now from just an on field perspective, I think we can be excited about these players actually growing and developing there. Which of the wide receivers are you most willing to bet on in terms of overall production? It's definitely Kirk, not just because of the contract, but, and I know the contract got a lot of jokes and, you know, kind of deservedly so, but Chris Kirk's a pretty good player. And like, he's the type of guy that a player, you know, like Trevor, like a quarterback, like Trevor Lawrence needs a layup guy in the slot like that did not have that player. Like LaVisca Chenault is not really a real wide receiver. Christian Kirk, like putting him in that slot receiver role. He's a real wide receiver. Like he can beat zone coverage. He can find soft areas and he can get down the field a little bit and win and contest the situation. So I think Kirk's definitely the guy to bet on there. Yeah. And Marvin Jones remains on the outside. And I think Zay Jones is there now too, to, to do fill whatever, in, right? Do whatever the <laughs> hell he's doing. <laughs> to fill in. Yeah. I, I love that. I think uh, they are. I'm excited. Like I'm also excited to see if Trevor Lawrence can ROI on the generational talent tag that we have put on him. Oh yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, it's, it's exciting to think about the prospect of that actually happening, especially when there are so many young quarterbacks in the league coming into their own and, and changing the complexion of the position and offenses, frankly, and like how the modern NFL era is running. So I love that. Um, to that end, I'm going to talk about a quarterback from the – I'm going to talk about a young quarterback as well. Uh, I don't think he's changing complexions, but um, Zach Wilson is <laughs> – Yeah, I almost had Zach Wilson. almost had Zach Wilson too. I mean, you can say what you want about him and his skill set and whether it was overhyped, um, but he is a giant winner and – Yes, we can talk about, and I will talk about all of the pieces that have been added to it, but like what a commitment is being showing. This is like on bended knee with a giant ring from that comes in a tiny blue box. Like this, I, it, it must feel so good after having a, a bit of a Humpty Dumpty almost being broken rookie season to just have the front office and the coaching staff be like, not we're going to wipe it away and we are doubling down. Like, is that a lot of pressure? Sure. But it's also an incredible testament to one skill set and the draft capital spent on this player. So I think that we have to like consider him a giant winner. I know that Dalton rolls his eyes a little bit on where he is being drafted in his ADP, but like, I think we also have to acknowledge the fact that what made Wilson such an exciting player coming out of coming into the draft was his ability to throw off platform. And like a lot of people now, a lot of people, by the way, who were like, yeah, it's amazing are now saying like that's copy and paste um, Pat Mahomes nonsense. And I actually, I talked about this with Eric at home was like, are we really expecting him not to get trucked in the NFL? Like this isn't BYU, the amount of time he had, but I feel like the Jets acknowledge that they want to get 
Wilson's best out of him, you know, this ability to anticipate, this ability to like work as a rusher, to be a bit impro unpredictable. Like, and they're doing that hopefully by getting Makai Becton back to health. Like, we'll see what the conditioning looks like. That's a giant question mark. Not going to feel great about it until, you know, we have more facts probably in July or August. And then they add in Lake and Tomlinson, which is great. Also, we're looking at what this kid needs. All right, he's a younger player. Let's get him a safety valve. You know what? Let's get him one in the red zone. Let's get him CJ Uzoma. I think that CJ Uzoma like bailed out uh, a besieged quarterback plenty of times last year, right? In the red area. And you know what? Let's get him another one. Let's get him Tyler Conklin, who I was surprised to learn has 89th percentile burst. All right, so now he's got like two red zone options. Great. Here is a stat that I found from Wilson. He only, we all know it was a disaster, right? True passer rating of just 72.2, which is the QB 25. He actually managed a top 10 red zone accuracy rating, 7.2, and a top seven deep ball catchable pass rate of 67.4. So we know that he has some ability. He made mistakes. But his receivers last year didn't do him any favors. They recorded 41 dropped passes. Now, I know that Garrett Wilson presents with some drop concentration issues, but, like, this kid is a phenomenal player, an absolute contortionist. Matt Waldman might argue that the reason he's such a contortionist is because he's not precise enough in his route running, and maybe that's why he's had some drops issues. But I think that if you're looking for a kid who can, like, have the body control to save an off kilter pass, then like Wilson can do that. And now he's got Wilson plus Elijah Moore plus Corey Davis. So I feel like the athleticism that made Wilson so special, at least so special as scouts regarded him to be, then these weapons across the offense in the line and in terms of pass catching options, like now help him be a better version of himself. Yeah, I mean, the Jets are running out some goofball receivers at the end of last year once Elijah Moore got hurt. Like, this is going to be a really good trio between Moore, Wilson, Davis, and then the tight ends that you mentioned, and the offensive line, too. So, yeah, I think Zach Wilson, one of the biggest winners of the offseason, period. But, I mean, this should be – if he's if Zach Wilson is good, this should be a really fun offense, and all of these players should be really fun in fantasy, especially Elijah Moore. And and we'll see Garrett Wilson as he as he develops. But yeah, Elijah Moore, I think, is a guy I'm really excited about. And shouts to Brees Hall, who can like add some yeah, that's right, some two, stability they, two to the running backs as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, give me your final guy, final thing, situation, entity, person. Well. You said the number one winner of the offseason was – or no bigger winner in the offseason than Allen Robinson. Totally get that. I think the biggest winner of the offseason is Rashad Bateman. Um, obviously, oh. the – and I think we, talk, we talked about this in the pod before. I'm probably going to just steam the hell out of Rashad Bateman, you know, the, the entire offseason. So we don't have to go super deep on it here. But number one, obviously, Marquise Brown is gone. Just clears the alleyway. And, like, the one thing that's interesting about the Rashad Bateman – part of this is that like the Ravens, you know, Hollywood Brown requested this trade at the end of last year. This was not like a, they made this move out of nowhere on draft night. Like they had a pretty good sense that this was coming and they've it's, they didn't make a big move at wide receiver. They didn't get involved in this crazy wide receiver market this off season. They might add a guy like Will Fuller or, you know, Julio Jones or something, or maybe Odell Beckham when he's healthy, but this is a big move of faith in Rashad Bateman. I, that's because I think they watched him last year. And this is a guy who just is so good at everything. 
It just is a player that the Ravens have not had before. I like Marquise Brown as a player, but I think Bateman actually has like true number one receiver in his range of outcomes and his skill set. Beat zone coverage, man coverage, can play inside, can play outside, and is just going to be like that receiver who wins on quick outbreaking routes, wins on, on quick intermediate routes, like on, on on the breaking it towards the middle of the field, can win downfield and contested situations too. Like the Ravens again, just have not had a wide receiver like this in years. Certainly not in the Lamar in the Lamar Jackson era, and I kind of feel like we've forgotten that you know before Lamar got like hurt and sick and all kinds of stuff last year. I mean, hopefully the guy has some Pepto-Bismol around, you know, is, is this year or whatever. But, like, I mean, it, he was taking steps, I think, huge steps as a passer last year and was having a really great statistical season. I think Bateman's going to be the huge – I think he's going to be the biggest winner in fantasy this offseason. I think he takes a leap to be a true starting guy. I, I love that take. I'm taking Bateman in best balls everywhere. Um, all of these – can't um, stop. I'm addicted. <laughs> no. Yeah. I love them. I also like, don't mind super late in a deep, deep, deep league. Devin DuVernay. Like I think yeah, that he's a guy he's I want to keep an eye on. Interesting too, yeah. as a nice, as a nice, especially because none of the running backs are really like Gus Edwards never really caught the ball. I do like Dobbins a lot. I do think he can take the leap um, next year, but he's also, he's not, you know, we were talking about before, like he can catch passes. That doesn't mean he's a pass catcher. Um, right. And I think that DuVernay can kind of work as that safety valve slot option for when Lamar, if he can train himself. And I agree with you that he's on that trajectory to not necessarily run every time, but if he can pause and find the check down, I think that DuVernay um, will serve the offense as a whole very well in that role. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Uh, you know, I can't end a podcast without talking about tight ends. So we're going to end on my biggest winner. It is Albert. Oh, nice. <laughs> Um, This one's pretty simple. Like, it's not just, though, that Noah Fant leaves and goes to Seattle. And now he he is, you know, I, I know that the, the Broncos drafted um, a tight end, but we all know the story of rookie tight ends. Um, so Alberto is expected to be the starter. He gets Russell Wilson. That's obviously an upgrade. He's also, er, here's a great stat from PFF. He earned the second highest passer rating when targeted over his last two seasons at Mizzou behind only Pat Fryermuth, who had a pretty good effort last year. And that actually you can see translated to the pros. Like that's what I like to see when the stats from college work in your favor at the next level because O only has one career drop. So we know he's sure-handed. And I, I just feel like if we also look at Noah Fant, who his target share was over 18% in 2020 and 2021. And that was, and, and I did the numbers when Noah Fant shared the field with both Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Remember, like there were injuries and mishmashing, so it wasn't always clear. But I looked at every single week where all three of them were on the field. In those instances, Fant averaged five looks per contest. So I think, therefore, Alberto could probably flirt with 80 looks in the fall. And I'm going to believe he can stay healthy. I talked, this is another thing Dalton and I talked about. I was like, I don't quite know where, or maybe that was with Andy actually a few weeks ago. Everything's running together. Who the hell knows when we, when we say these things, but like, I don't quite know how I feel about the Broncos receivers. Like I go back and forth between Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, like a Tim Patrick's there too. But you know, with like, who's going to be the biggest winner of this Russell Wilson trade. I think Alberto is the guy that I, I do come back to, especially just because of the position. You know, I, I think he's probably the, the biggest winner 
of this group for sure and, and somebody i'm willing to believe in all right where um where would you have him ranked just out of curiosity he is top 10 or top 12 definitely i think he's well de- definitely top definitely top 12 but i think i could probably i could probably end up pushing him to to like tight end nine or something like that i think yeah yeah i think i have him like 12 ish but i keep wanting to push him a little bit higher it just yeah the position itself is is as you mentioned a little bit wonky so how um i want to i'll probably by august have him you know, maybe even inside my top 10. We'll see. All right. So that is going to do it for this episode of the off season's biggest winners. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Hope you feel like you're pumped up and feeling optimistic, ready to tackle your summer day. If so, great. If not, too bad for you, guy. I don't know. Go have a Jamba Juice <laughs> if those still exist. You can follow me on Twitter at LizLows underscore FF. That is Matt at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Andy and Scott will be back on Monday with more fantasy goodness. Until then, we're out. <laughs>